I'm Roger Baker, Executive Director of the Stratfor Center for Applied Geopolitics at RAIN, a global center of excellence for geopolitical intelligence and analysis. Learn how you can put geopolitics to work for your organization at rainnetwork.com. Welcome to RAIN's Essential Geopolitics Podcast. My name is Emma Kami, and I'll be your host today. On May 29th, Spanish Prime Minister Pedro Sanchez announced an early general election for July 23rd. Sanchez made the announcement only hours after his Socialist Party performed poorly in municipal and regional elections on May 28th. According to polls, the general election could result in a far-right party entering the Spanish government for the first time since the return of democracy in the late 1970s. To discuss what could happen next in Spain, I'm joined by Adriano Bisoni, RAIN's Director of Analysis. Welcome, Adriano. Hey, Emma. It's nice talking with you again. You too. Um, so let's start from the beginning. Uh, what happened in the regional and municipal elections, and why did Sanchez decide to hold an early general election? Yeah, so on May uh, 28th, Spain held um, regional and municipal elections across the country. Um, it was a very heated campaign, um, even though the elections were supposed to be about municipal and regional issues, it had a very clear um, national undertone because the main opposition party, the People's Party, which is a, a conservative party, and uh, a small but growing far-right party, Vox, they were basically presenting the elections as a referendum on the tenure of Prime Minister Pedro Sanchez and his um, Socialist Party and their main um, left-wing partners, the Unidas Podemos party. So it was um, supposed to be a, a regional and, and municipal election, but it had a clear um, national implications. Uh, and the results were quite bad for the ruling Socialist Party. They got um, roughly 28% um, of the vote, um, whereas the People's Party, they got around 32% um, of the vote. The far-right Vox Party also performed quite well. They um, got around 8% um, of the vote from roughly 3.5% in the previous election four years ago. So to make a long story short, the conservatives and the, and the, and the far-right performed quite well. The conservatives actually um, won in, in several um, regions that were previously governed by uh, the socialists. Uh, and to complicate things further for Prime Minister Sanchez and his socialist party, Podemos performed uh, poorly as well. They didn't even make it to the um, regional parliament in, in big um, regions like Madrid and, 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 and Valencia. So, very, very shortly after the elections results were announced, Sanchez uh, went live on television saying that he was going to hold an early um, general election. Spain was not supposed to hold the general election until December, but Sanchez thought that it was too far in the future and that he needed uh, to have the election as quickly as possible. Basically, by doing this, he is trying to um, prevent his authority from deteriorating further um, 
December is just too far in the future. So he was also worried that um, waiting so long would have um, resulted in members of his party actually questioning his leadership. There's also an, an interesting dynamic here at play because um, after the elections in, 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 in the regions and in the municipalities, um, if the People's Party wants to enter regional or municipal governments, in many, many cases they will have to negotiate with Vox Party to uh, appoint such governments. So Sanchez is basically hoping that these negotiations between the conservatives and the far right will get a lot of coverage and they will um, make left-wing voters and moderate voters very worried about um, the same happening at the national level. So um, Sanchez probably thought that holding the election in July simultaneously when um, the, the People's Party and Vox are negotiating to appoint these regional and municipal governments would mobilize left-wing voters who say at home in the May 28 elections and also convince moderate voters to support Sanchez and his Socialist Party to prevent uh, the People's Party and Vox from taking over the national government. So it's basically a gamble. The thing is, it's a risky move because the electoral momentum in Spain seems to have moved um, against the center-left and the left and in favor of the center-right and the far-right. So will the center-right and the far-right form a government in Spain after the general election? Well, that's the million euros question, I would say, because ideally the People's Party would like to govern alone. Um, they don't want to be in a, in a coalition with a potentially problematic party like Vox. The thing is, if current polls are to be trusted, the People's Party will not win enough seats in the Spanish Parliament to govern alone. So they will need to reach some kind of agreement with Vox. This agreement could look like a proper coalition deal in which um, Vox takes cabinet positions and is a formal member of the Spanish government, or it could be a kind of agreement according to which Vox, for instance, abstains or supports the appointment of a, of a People's Party Prime Minister, but then stays in Parliament and doesn't formally enter the government. Either way, this would be a significant event in Spain, because it would actually give a far-right party influence in Spanish policy for the first time um, since the return to democracy in the late 1970s. Um, for decades, Spain has moved uh, from center-left to center-right and back to center-left and then to center-right political um, governments, sorry. Um, and, and having a far-right as a proper member of a coalition or supporting a government from parliament, it would be um, signif a significant development in Spain. Um, this would have all sorts of consequences. Um, from a fiscal perspective, um, a conservative government would seek to dismantle many of the uh, tax reforms that the Socialist Party implemented um, during the pandemic and especially during the energy crisis. Um, Sanchez introduced um, very controversial taxes like a windfall tax on banks and energy companies, a tax on people with um, large fortunes, um, and, and, and a conservative party would seek to dismantle that. Um, but what I think would be the main domestic implication is that um, there would be significant resistance in Spain to a government where the far right is, is, is a member of the government or supports the government from parliament. Um, it would lead to protests 
from left-wing groups, from unions, also from um, groups such as the LGBTQ plus community, because um, Vox has very, very hawkish and very conservative um, positions on, on many social issues. So it would create significant backlash in that regard. It could also reignite secessionist movements, uh, particularly in Catalonia. Um, we need to keep in mind that under the socialist government, there was kind of a detente, there was kind of a, a cordial uh, relations between the central government in Madrid and the regional government in um, Catalonia. But if the Socialist Party exits the government and if the People's Party, and in particular if the People's Party with support from um, Vox takes over the next government, Catalonia will not be happy about it. Vox in particular um, is campaigning on things like uh, re-centralizing the Spanish state and taking back powers and put on over policy areas that are currently under the control of the regional governments. They have a very pro-Spanish language a rhetoric saying that Spanish is the only um, official language of the country, which is a, a very big deal in Catalonia, where most of the population speaks Catalan and they are very protective of their language and their tradition. So if there is a far-right um, party in power in Spain, the, 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 the backlash in Catalonia and possibly also in the Basque country would be, would be significant. And then what would this mean for uh, Spain's position in the European Union? Yeah, that's a great question because the election happens only 23 days after Spain takes over the six-month rotating presidency of the European Union. You know that every EU member state um, takes over the, the, the bloc's presidency for six months. And when they are in that presidency, they can introduce... Uh, topics on the discussion agenda, they organize meetings, they act as brokers of deals between member states over many policy areas. Um, so if Spain has to do this while also dealing with uh, first an electoral campaign, which will consume most of July, and then with the formation of a government which will consume most of August and potentially some of September as well, it means that during at least half of its six months presidency of the European Union, um, Spain will be focused primarily on domestic issues and they will not really have the bandwidth to deal with European issues uh, on top of their domestic issues. And then there's another complication. The Socialist Party has set its agenda for the rotating presidency of the European Union. Uh, but the thing is, if there is a new government in place, that new government may basically scrap most of that agenda and try to impose its own topics um, instead. So it would be it would be problematic um, and, and, and the policy making process in the EU could slow down significantly if Madrid fails to meet its presidency obligations, which I insist range from introducing topics in the bloc's policy agenda to brokering deals between member states over controversial issues. So there are a few topics that would be particularly affected, I would say. Um, for instance, 
folks is quite skeptical of climate change. And we know that um, climate change is a big deal for the European Union and for the European Commission in particular. So if we have Vox with a skeptical position on this, they will uh, try to fight back or to um, remove some climate change related topics from the, from the policy agenda. Um, the Socialist Party was all about improving ties between the European Union and Latin America during uh, the Spanish presidency of the EU. But Vox is a party that says we don't want to have any interactions or we don't want to have any kind of political context with left-wing governments in Latin America, which could create problems between Spain slash the EU and left-wing governments in, in places like Brazil and Mexico. Um, Vox could also push against the ongoing EU negotiations over a free trade agreement with the common market of the South, that's Mercosur, which includes Brazil, Argentina, Paraguay and, and, and Uruguay, especially if it opens EU markets to competitive agricultural exports from the likes of Brazil and Argentina. Vox also has a very strong anti-immigration position, which means that it could result in a, in a worsening of ties between Spain and Morocco, because Vox has accused Morocco of using uh, migration as leverage to obtain economic and political concessions from, from, from Madrid. In fact, Vox's electoral platform calls for the deployment of the Spanish military in the Spanish exclaves in, in, in Morocco to protect them. So it would be, it would be problematic for foreign affairs. Um, I would not go as far as to say that it would threaten Spain's um, membership in the European Union or the Eurozone. I, I don't think that's the case. The People's Party is still a very pro-European, pro-Eurozone um, party, so I don't think that Spain's membership in the EU would be at stake, but we would certainly see an increase of, of tensions between Madrid and Brussels, especially if Vox is a formal member of the coalition government. If they only provide external support in Parliament, maybe its influence would be um, weaker, but still, it would, it would be a significant change of direction from the current left-wing governments in Spain. Wow, so lots of implications both internally and externally. Definitely something to keep watching. Thank you so much, Adriano. Of course, thank you. Learn how geopolitical events like this could affect your business with Rain Worldview. Our flagship risk intelligence products provide clients with access to the insights and analyses they need to make more informed decisions and drive better risk management outcomes. Sign up at rainnetwork.com. That's R-A-N-E network.com. I'm Emma Kami. Thanks for listening.